Welcome to the Faith Church Peshtigo podcast. You can connect with us online at faithpeshtigo.com. We're also on Facebook. Just search for Faith Church Peshtigo. Today's podcast features a conversation between Pastor Jay and Pastor Robbie talking about the sermon from September 13th, 2020. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Faith Church podcast. I am your host, Jay, and joining me is Robbie. Hello, everyone. And this is episode number... Oh, man, we totally forgot. We never do that anymore. We fell off that wagon a long time ago, man. We, nobody knows. Somebody, well, you make it sound like it's impossible to learn that information. It is unverifiable. There's no it's way not, I could possibly find that information. It's not like Noah's Ark. Like, we don't have to do archaeological <laughs> digs. It would take <laughs> it would take a text <laughs> right now to Jeff. It is akin to dear finding Jeff, the Ark of the Covenant. It's, well, <laughs> dear Jeff, what episode number is this? All right, we're going to find out. Before the end of the show, um, we're going to figure it out. But... We don't have like any small talk. We've been told that our small talk is both endearing and distracting. B- uh, wh- what? Our banter. Our both? banter. Yeah, both. I don't think by the same people. Maybe. This is podcast number 40. Well, you just found it out. I did. How I was hard being, is that? I was being hyperbolic. This is number 40. That's a big deal. The big is it? 4-0. It's all downhill. Over the hill. Over the, podcast is it is over the hill. Over the hill. This is, I remember when we have I, two score podcasts now. Two. Sc- that's a that's the Abraham Lincoln yeah, way to say that. Yes. I just I remember when our podcast just learned to drive. <laughs> it's and they grew now, up so fast. Yeah, and Jay, now so it's fast. trying to buy a Corvette or a new fishing boat. <laughs> so I, I should have seen that coming, but. How did you not you got, see that? You, you got me. How did you not see that coming? Should have seen that a mile away. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm disappointed in you. Um, yeah. Other than that, the only exciting that we haven't had any drama in the office. There's been no, um, no, no lunch theft. No lunch theft. Although there was my birthday issue with the donuts or lack thereof, and then donuts were brought today, but nobody ever tells me when donuts get brought in. So there's that. And then I spilled coffee on myself, so that happened. In in so. literally everyone else's defense, you had a series of meetings this morning that had you out of the office. And so by the time you came in, in order to eat your birthday donuts, we didn't inform you that they were there because we had eaten them already. And Is that a valid defense? That... That it was that started out much stronger than it finished. <laughs> it I felt that I felt like it kind of came off the rails towards yeah. the end there. Yeah. So there's no question. Okay, let's just be real here for a second. Everyone sees you as the rational one of the two of us. <laughs> they don't any longer. No. That you just kick oh. them off. I think there are so many Robbie apologists out there that there might be some people who are still with you and they're saying that sounded ridiculous. But if Jay and Robbie are disagreeing about something, I'm just going to assume that Robbie is being rational. Hmm. But regardless, we can only hope. Right. But um, so, yeah, the donuts thing, I spilled coffee on myself and you thought it good news, though, it was yesterday's coffee. So it was cold. Yes, I was concerned. I thought I thought it was touch and go for a minute there when you came in and had the the scalding pant unexpected amount of coffee that had spilled on you. I thought it was going to be serious, but it was cold. Yeah. So my, yeah, my whole leg was covered. It's still wet. It's still wet right now. I'm, that's what I'm fighting through right now. I'm playing through adversity right now. 
I just want people to appreciate the effort I'm putting forth with the wet paint league. <laughs> so if at any point in this you feel like this is this is not as solid, I don't feel like the exegesis is quite on point, just remember Jay's doing the best he can with a wet pant leg. Yeah, it's adverse. It's courage, right? This is just this is just want to at this point. So let's do it. Let's attack it. Let's get after it. Let's attack the day. So this past weekend, um, there was worship, and we had a sermon in there. Indeed. You had questions. You had like real life questions from real life people. I did. I was very excited about that. People who were listening, which is always exciting and encouraging and uh, engaged enough to have follow-up questions is, I say this all the time, but that is truly my favorite. Mm -hmm. So do you want to share what the questions were? Sure, I'd love to. <laughs> it's like this awkward pause. I'd love to. The, the awkward pause was me coughing off of Mike. Oh. That I was trying to keep uh, under the radar, but oh. you've drawn attention to now. So We didn't have to say all that. Um, well... I felt pressured. Okay. So questions this week. It's really around the text itself and not not um, not any kind of disagreement or pushback or clarification on your message. Just as you're preaching through there, a side point that they knew, you know, well, this isn't something that Jay would have time to unpack during the sermon, but, but wondered if there would be any clarity on that. The first one was um, when Paul talks about the fact that he is a minister of the gospel. Um, the question was, is that something, and, and it's the very end, and when, as Paul is saying, indeed, if you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel, which you've heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. And the question was, when Paul describes himself as a minister, is that a specific office that is unique to Paul or, or unique to, you know, a select group of people within the church? Or is he using a term that that should be applied to anyone who is a part of the body of Christ? So that's a that's an easy answer because it is to say that that is next week's sermon. Because that that sentence right there is the lead-in to the next six, section, which is talking about Paul's uh, ministry to the church. So the the teasing is that yes, it's true that Paul. Paul at times will refer to himself as, um, even with that word that gets translated as minister, sometimes that is an authoritative position. Um, like, uh, like you think about the Old Testament prophets where it would sometimes be called a servant of the Lord. Um, and so that would be kind of an authoritative apostolic type speaking for God mm -hmm. type position. But then other times it's, um, it's the word diakonos, you know, which is where we get deacon or servant. And that that is, when he's using that term, he's talking about, like, along with all other fellow believers. So um, this is more that, this, this, this is that, that's clarifying. Uh, so this weekend, we'll be talking more about that. So Paul's ministry to the church and how in that context, he is talking about himself as a minister of the gospel in the same way that he would be referring to anyone who is a Christ follower being a minister of the gospel. So it's, it is interesting. Like you, you have to, and you can tell usually by context, which way he's going with that. Um, but, but this one, I think it actually says a lot about uh, 
Paul's ministry to the church, what's valuable about it, what his goal is in it in this next section, and then what that means for us, like how we are to also uh, be be ministering in those ways. Hmm. Right on. I am looking forward to that sermon. I'm looking forward to a good writing that sermon. That'll be that's a good that's a good tease. It's this Sunday, right? Yes, this Sunday. Okay, you should you should get on that. I I should. It is like I've gotten some parts of it done, but you know me. I am a everybody has a different style and mine is I I'm the guy like those those car well, sometimes it's cartoon characters, but sometimes it's just TV shows or whatever. When the person's writing out something and then crumples it up and throws it in the waste paper basket. Yeah. And then they pan to the shot of the overflowing basket <laughs> with all the crumpled pieces on the floor. That is my sermon prep right there. Only I do it digitally. So it's a lot of like cut and like highlight all and then delete. And then uh, there you go. Yeah. Okay. So less, less mess. Less mess. There you go. Same principle. So, yeah. Good. Well, Questions? I am, I am very much looking forward to that. Yeah. Uh, okay. So how about this one? This one we can probably answer right now without spoiling any of your future sermon. <laughs> the... Another question, when in verse 21, it says, And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, which is fabulous news in mm-hmm. general. The question was, is is this a a very broad statement, a general, like a, in a sense, like a universal you, or is is there something specific about the context in this city in this church that w- when he's saying and and you were hostile in mind is there is there anything in the context in the history that would explain a specific type of hostility or a specific type of evil deeds that was that was happening in this church or is it more general it's a great question and I, and i think it 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 is an important question because there are times where Paul is addressing specific issues going on in the church. And, and then there are times where it is, it's more generic. And what I think, one of the things that popped in my head here, even as you were asking that this time is there's, there's kind of a misunderstanding sometimes that, that we need to have some kind of extra biblical knowledge um, to understand scripture and the reality is, is that the helpful extra biblical, and so when I say extra biblical, I just mean outside of the Bible, the helpful resources that are outside of the Bible find their root in the Bible. So with the exception of like Josephus or some, you know, historians that are outside of the church, so we can kind of know culturally what was going on in the time, like th- some of those things can be helpful. But when you're talking about this kind of a thing of like, well, is Paul talking about a specific um, sin issue or what do we actually know about that church? Well, what, everything we know is also found in scripture. So you may have a commentary that will say, well, we know this was going on in the church. Well, they're getting that from scripture itself. So maybe later in the letter, there could be something that that gives us a clue and they're kind of compiling all the the pieces of information and kind of putting together a puzzle. It could be letters, um, other letters, um, like, you know, Ephesians is a parallel here. And so there could be other letters that are written at the same time. And so we can draw some conclusions from that. Um, and, and sometimes it'll be, it'll, it'll just be other, other parts of the Bible will, will enlighten us to that. I say all that to say that, um, you don't, 
that, that you can figure these things out. Like if you want to know, is he talking about something specific or is he not? Well, a good place to start, just read the, read Colossians through. And just as you're seeing it, as yeah. you're reading it, pull out anything like, okay, well, how is he instructing? How specific does this sound? And start, you can, you can piece together and kind of reverse engineer some things and, and piece together what Paul is saying and say, oh, well, clearly this was an issue because, you know, he's, he's specifically calling this out. Um, does, does that make sense to the, the, I'm just trying, your, your, your silence is deafening. Well, no, but I was about to answer and then you, you were about to speak again. I wanted to <laughs> let you finish your thought before jumping in. So good of you. You're so gracious. So you, you, are you going <laughs> to finish your thought? Yeah. No, oh. I didn't have another no? thought. That oh, was it. okay. Yeah, good. <laughs> uh, yes, I do. I approve of the, we're of so the good at this aforementioned statement. I, yeah, I, I, what, as you were saying that, you know, thinking about looking, looking in the immediate context of reading the rest of the letter, um, or looking to other aspects of scripture, I'm, I immediately think of like, we, we have probably the most helpful contextual resource within a few pages of each of these letters. And that's the book of Acts. Right. So when you're reading, yes. when you're reading Ephesians and you go, man, what's going on in, in Ephesus, go to Acts where it provides context and, and Luke, the, the consummate historian who wrote Acts uh, and the Gospel of Luke will will lay out like here's what's going on, and so you can then go back to the letter and go, oh, okay, so he's writing this into a context where, like the 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 entire city is centered around, and and the city's economy largely is centered around goddess worship. So I have some context of you know Artemis or Diana is is a big deal and a huge influence in this city. And, and so I have a little bit of that context as I'm reading that. I don't have to be a historian. I don't have to understand all those other things. I can get uh, a cent, a, all of the essentials that I need from, from the history that is provided in the New Testament itself. Right. And so, so sometimes it's cross books like that and that, and which is fantastic. You're right. Acts is the context for all this. Um, but, but sometimes, yeah. And sometimes it's, you, you see it like in first Corinthians where Paul is specifically calling out things. So here's a good rule of thumb. If he calls somebody out by name, right. pretty sure that that is a specific issue that is going yes. on right there. Like, <laughs> which is pretty brutal, right? If you're, oh, you're reading through, you're reading through the Bible and it's like, and you know, and don't, we all know what Robbie did. Holy <laughs> smokes. Remember that guy? Good thing I called that out. <laughs> You're like, oh, oh goodness. Like, uh, it feels it's like a, he's talking right to me. Because he is. Because he is. So yeah, I mean, you have that. So we talked about this, uh, this last week or a couple weeks ago, 1 Corinthians 6, when he's calling out uh, people who, believers who were suing each other, um, bringing lawsuits against each other. Brother goes to law against brother and, and he's he's calling that out. That's a very specific thing he's calling out. You also see it in Galatians where he says, you know, like where he's calling out these false teachers and doctrines that are coming into the church. He's specifically talking about them um, there. And so in, in this letter in Colossians, um, it's a little more I don't want to say generic, but it's a little more vague as far as what's going on. We'll be able to figure out some of the theological issues that are that are coming yeah. about. Um, but it's it's a more general. I would call it a more general epistle, uh, where yeah, the the yeah. you there is a is a plural 
you, right? It doesn't say, and you, Carl, right. who was once alienated and hostile in mind, and everyone goes, oh, we all know what Carl did. We should avoid that. Like it's, yeah. It is a you, meaning anyone who is hearing or reading this, like I, I am included in that, right? Yeah, and and we know that. Like that's so we know that. Remember, Paul didn't; he hadn't met this church face to face, and so he's hearing reports of what's going on there. But he doesn't need to know anything about them to know that before Christ they were alienated and hostile in mind. Now, why is that? Because everyone. Is alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. Apart from go. Christ, we can do nothing. Right, and so, so that's that theological foundation that Paul is. He's he's not. Um, we were actually talking about this earlier and saying it's like those personality profiles that you know will read something like, "Well, I I think that you like eating delicious food." Oh man, this thing knows me so well. How did it guess that? Like you don't like being hated by people. <laughs> wow, this has nailed me. Like that's that's kind of what's going on here. Like it's oh. obvious he knows by virtue of the fact that they are redeemed and bought by Christ that they are aware of the fact that they were at one time alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds. That's a general statement that could be said and is said about all humankind. Yeah. That's different than 1 Corinthians 6 or some of these other issues. Now, there are still principles there. So you can't just read 1 Corinthians 6 and say, well, I'm not, I've never sued another Christian. So therefore I'm fine. He's not talking about me. There's underlying principles there, right. but it's a specific issue that is being called out to, to kind of teach a, a, a principle or something that, that is important for them to understand as a church. Um, and usually those are kind of grouped together, like, you know, as sometimes in groups of three, sometimes in a couple where they're saying like, and this is happening and this is happening and this is all revealing this other thing. And, and, and so that isn't, that happens sometimes. And then other times you see Paul just go at more generic theological issues of like this. You also see it in Romans, you see it in, in Galatians, you see it in, um, you see it in Philippians, you see it like in a lot of places where he is calling out Ephesians, like chapter two, it, like there's, there's so many, um, uh, so many places where, where Paul is kind of calling out a, um, a generic issue that he knows is the case. And then saying how the gospel is the answer to that, because it is just human nature. So what if I don't believe that verse 21 applies to me? Why, why is it important or why would I need to believe that verse 21 has anything to do with me and isn't just, hey, that's for those people at those time, at that time? Why is it important? Well, if you don't believe that, then I don't think you understand the gospel. So I, I would say that's pretty important. That's, that's pretty important. I don't know. Like I, I, I guess I just look at that. I can't imagine. You can't know the gift of grace and forgiveness and redemption that is offered in the cross if you don't also know that you are in need of that gift. So what does that what does that look like to the person who you know grew up in 
with a legacy of Christianity in their extended family, right? So grandparents, yeah. parents, like you just, you've always grown up in that context, in that environment. Um, you know, I, the same, you know, my testimony is not the, you know, I was, I was in the alley, you know, pulling the needle out of my arm and God redeemed me. Like that person goes, yeah, verse 21, you know, solidarity fist, like totally get that. But what about the the person who says, like, I don't, I don't look at my life and feel like there was a time where I was hostile in mind and doing evil deeds. I feel like I've always just kind of generally been a part of this and mostly been a good person. So I don't, that doesn't resonate with me. What, what, what is your response to that? Well, one thing I w that comes to mind is, so one of the themes that we do see in Colossians is uh, what is going on with the Jews and the Gentiles. And it is a very diverse, it's a diverse congregation as far as we know. And, and also we have evidence that they were actually really, um, they were melding together maybe better than some other contexts. Hmm. Um, and so we, we see those positive things going on. Um, but Paul talks about his ministry to the Gentiles. And so when he says that, you know, the, the religious leaders of the day would have looked at Gentiles and said, well, obviously they are alienated and hostile of mind. Um, right. And so, and doing evil deeds because they would have looked at the, the everything that the Gentiles did, and um, and like you said, worshiping other gods, and um, you know, and, and and all these different practices that were very obvious, um, obvious alienation. Yeah. But Paul's not differentiating. He's not in this place. Is not saying you Gentiles who right. were once alienated and hostile right. in mind. He was saying you, meaning all of you. Well, what did that look like for the religious? the people who were religious. Cause remember again, the early church, they didn't see themselves as they were, they were just Jews who understood that Jesus was the Messiah. And that's, that's the early, the earliest form. And then Gentiles being grafted into that. And so there would have been um, people in that who were God worshipers and lovers of God who were following him and who were faithful. And then when Christ yeah. came, they believed the gospel and they kept yeah. going, well, they were also alienated and hostile in mind yeah. um, because even unbeknownst to them. And, and that's one of the things that when we don't realize that, so I would actually just use this example today, talking with someone um, who was expressing grief over outward sin. And I just said, you know, your, your sin is just more on display. Um, you know, it's like if you, if you fall and if, if you fall and you break your arm and the bone is sticking out through your arm, it's very obvious that something is wrong, that something's broken and you go and you get medical attention. Um, but if you fall and you hit your head and you just feel a little woozy, but you think you're fine. But meanwhile, what's going on inside of your head is this swelling. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody sees it. Nobody knows it's there, but it's actually far greater danger to yeah. you. Externally, you may look like the pinnacle of health. Right. But you're actually in grave danger. Whereas the person with the broken arm, it's not only can you see it, but you can say, well, we know exactly what to do for that. This is what we need to fix. And I, that's, so I think there's a parallel there with people who grow up in the church. And I, and I am concerned about this, with, even with my own children, of making sure 
that I am constantly upholding Jesus and upholding the gospel, that I'm not upholding church going or that we go to these programs or that we have these morals, but that I'm upholding Jesus and the gospel because we see it often, people who grow up in culturally Christian homes and just grow up acting and living and thinking in those ways, they don't realize that there's actually something really dangerously wrong on the inside because everything looks good on the outside. And so I would say even for that person, if you don't understand that you were at one point alienated and hostile of mind, then that could be, could be because you are still currently in that state. Yeah. That isn't a past state for you. That is the current state, which which as, as you said, can be so deceptive because when I'm surrounded by Christian-y things, I can, I can convince myself that I am something that I am not because I follow certain external rules or even, even intellectually believe certain things. I, as you were, as you were talking, what, what it made me think of was our, are we defining those things the same way that Jesus does, mm-hmm. right? When I say, well, but I'm doing this, I'm doing this. So I'm, I'm not doing evil deeds. I'm doing the good deeds. Um, but are we actually doing the things that Jesus asked us to do? Or am I doing the things that in the particular christian subculture that I have been a part of have been deemed the good things to do or the right things to think? Am I actually... Am I actually thinking the things that Jesus commands me to think? Am I thinking the way right. he does? Am I doing the things that he has commanded me explicitly to do? Um, and, and the other thing that struck me is I, I tried to, I like, I try to put into practice the things that you encourage me to do, Jay, because I trust you. <laughs> and so I, I just did the thing that you suggested that we do of like reading it in the context overall and I was struck. I don't know that I've ever necessarily, maybe I did. I forget half the stuff that I learned. It's really it's really frustrating. My memory's mm-hmm. the worst, but I don't feel like I have ever noticed this before. But I, if I say, well, that sentence doesn't apply to me. Verse 21 doesn't apply to me. Well, that's not the end of the sentence. No. That's just the beginning. Of, that's, the, that's the beginning of that sentence. And you, who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death. Which means if that sentence doesn't apply to me, then the good news of that sentence Correct. also does not apply to me. So he is only speaking to people who were once alienated and hostile in mind, and they are the ones, he says, who can now be confident that they were reconciled because they were this thing, but now through Jesus, they are this thing. So if I say that doesn't apply to me, I have to include the other half of that sentence, which feels more serious than just saying think I'm that hostile or doing evil deeds, then would Paul respond with, well, then I don't really think you're that reconciled to Christ right? and holy and blameless before him. Because how could you possibly say that and truly understand what his holiness is and what you have been saved from? Right. Because you, you can't be reconciled if you weren't once alienated. There's nothing to reconcile. And there is right. no category for that in scripture. Right. There is no category that Jesus ever, you know, puts out there that says, okay, well, but for those who are already in good standing with God, this doesn't apply to you. Right. The cross is only for people who are alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds. Right. 
And the, yeah, and if so, if you aren't that, then then it, the cross isn't for you. And if the cross isn't for you, then you are still dead in your sins. Like that's just yikes, right? So that's terrifying. And I think, and so I want to be careful because I always want, as people know, that one of my one of the biggest things that grieves me in in the church is just is that is that issue of people growing up in the church and just buying into the behaviors and and morals and you know culture of the church and that they're more they're more just connected to that culture rather than actually belonging to Christ and they don't ever know because they they just assume that everything is fine because they've never been overtly hostile in mind mm-hmm. they, they they don't know what that's like so I always want to draw attention to that. At the same time, I was a kid who I came to Christ when I was 11. And so my testimony is, you know, like I could have repented, but I was, I was also a, you know, shockingly, I was difficult for my parents, but in school and that kind of stuff, I wasn't, I was, I was, you know, what by all accounts, a pretty good kid, at least in public. And, um, and so when I repented, I just remember being very convicted of my sin and deep heart issues that didn't ever come out because I was culturally kind of reined in, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Like I, my parents taught me certain things. I knew it was wrong to do these different things. I wanted to please them. Those things kind of kept me reined in. But when I heard the gospel, I definitely, like I felt convicted of the selfishness in my heart. Even at 11, I remember just feeling really convicted over that, but also being amazed at this gift that was being presented to me and mm. so wanting that. Yeah. And then as time has gone on and sin has still come out in my life, I also have noticed like glimpses of, oh, I could see, I could see where I would have gone with this if if not for the power of the Holy Spirit working in me. Like I could see I, I can see there's just like these remnants of this the flesh in me and that keeps fighting and waging war even even with walking with Jesus for this long and and then it doesn't take much imagination to see like what would I fu- how would I function if I had no hope in yeah. Christ how would I yeah. function if if I was completely reliant on my own strength in this like what what would I what would I do how how would I how would I act um, how would I live and it's often it's both terrifying to me and also fills me with thanksgiving that uh, right. at god's mercy um that that he would rescue me from that and save me from that even before those things happened right. you know that that so. is in fact a what if and not the reality of your situation right right yeah that's extraordinary so so yeah that's good man I love those that are, man those are good those are good questions. We, we really love it when people ask questions about the text. And I also appreciated the, the, I know, I know you can't cover everything in the sermon because, you know, people need to, I think people understand and they give grace for the fact that I, on Sunday mornings, I'm not doing a Bible study. Like it's not a word for word, just study of breaking down every word and dealing right. with every issue. That's not the point of preaching. And so, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm going to, I, I have to choose things to kind of focus on. Um, but then that's part of the things I, one of the things I love about the podcast is then if somebody says, well, Hey, what about this verse? Usually it's something that um, we're really excited about talking about, 
you know, that would be great to continue on. If people let me preach, to no, preach another half an hour, then I would deal with that. I mean, you've got the microphone. We're at your mercy. It's really, no really your decision. It's been getting longer again. I feel like I'm getting warmed up to come back inside, but... Dude, we're going to have to get them inside to get warmed up. It's, <sighs> it is upon us already, yeah. man, I'm, which I'm not sad about because I love hoodie weather. You, hoodie weather is like your favorite. That's my jam. That is my favorite. I, I geek out on fall. I do too. Everybody does. Question. We're supposed to do the silly banter in the beginning, but I am curious. Your feelings on pumpkin flavorings? Uh, not a fan with a few minor exceptions. I do like the pumpkin spice latte. Yeah. I do. I do look forward to that. That's mostly the only thing though. I can't, I can't. And I don't think it actually really tastes like pumpkin. It's kind of like like grape flavoring. Like it's really just like sweet purple flavoring. It doesn't actually taste like grape anything, mm-hmm. but we just know that's grape soda and grape gum. Like doesn't taste like any actual grapes. Um, I put pumpkin spice lattes in that category. I don't really feel like it tastes like pumpkin, but it tastes good. I agree with half of that. It doesn't taste like pumpkin, but that's why it's not good. But I appreciate why, because I actually like fake grape and fake banana and fake watermelon for that matter. Hmm. So I'm not anti-fake fruit flavors. Oh, I do like a good, like a real pumpkin pie too. Yeah. See, I I like pumpkin pie. That's what I like. I don't like pumpkin flavorings and things. That's neither here nor there. Was there anything else from uh, from this past weekend that you wanted to throw out there or mention? I think that's a great place to end uh, and uh, to remind everyone that we do love getting those questions. And so we want to hear them from you as well. So be sure to catch us on a Sunday morning or send us an email and let us know if, if you have some questions that you would like for us to unpack uh, on the podcast. We will do our very best to answer them well. I'm really surprised that Perseverance of the Saints didn't come up. There's, there's that whole section of if indeed you continue in the faith. And I tried to deal with that, but I couldn't deal with it to its fullness. And so. Well, if we don't get any questions next week. Yeah, maybe we'll deal maybe with that. We, we can unpack that a little bit. Yeah, we'll deal, we'll deal with that. That's a good what one. What did Paul mean when he says, if indeed you continue in the faith, this is all available to that's you. That's a good one. Because I thought once saved, always saved, Jay. Are you saying that's not what Paul's saying? Or are uh, you? Or am I? You have to stay tuned for next time. Maybe, because we might have something else from next sermon to talk about <laughs> maybe instead. In two, maybe in two times. <laughs> if you want to know, then you ask. Not, not you, Robbie, but whoever's right. out there listening. If either of you want to know. There then, you go. Because yeah, if it's just you and I asking the question yeah, of each other, that's not super helpful. But if you actually are curious about that, let us know and we'll answer for you. Absolutely. All right. Till next time. Love you, church. Love you, church.